Welcome to Queers Did That, a queer history podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. I'm Katie. What? <laughs> You're like, I'm your host, Amanda. Oh, do you want me to do it again? No, I don't care. It was just funny. That's why I laughed. Oh. I'm sighing because I have a pinched nerve in my neck, not because I am hosting this podcast. <laughs> <sighs> I'm Amanda. Here I am. Look. <laughs> you I'm know- old. With my pinched nerve. Also, you don't have to, like, look at me if it hurts to look at me. It actually hurts less to look at you than look forward. Oh. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm also balancing a heat pad thing on my neck, so that's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how are you doing? (laughs) I mean, I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah, I'm fine. We wanted to get another episode in before the end of the decade, so that was, yeah. Christmas and all kind of took up most of our time. Yes. And also just life. Yeah. I feel like, too. I was going to say laziness on my part. Not laziness. Oh, yeah. Laziness. Oh. Okay. Well, regardless, we're doing one now, so yay. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Barbara Giddings. Hey, I... I know that name. You know that name. Yeah. Do you know anything else besides the name? I mean, you said something. It was like the very first episode. Yes. She wrote books? (laughs) (laughs) I mean. No, I was wrong. Okay. Well, I mean, you're not like wrong, wrong. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sorry. It's okay. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So we did mention her in our first episode about the Philadelphia Reminders way back from 2018 when we started. Yes. Okay. And she was an integral part of that movement as well as just the early stages of the gay rights movement in Philadelphia and subsequently New York. So. What? I think. Oh, boo to New York. Yes. Well, Philadelphia first. Yes. So. Go birds. Go birds. Okay. <laughs> Barbara Giddings was born to Elizabeth and John Giddings in Vienna, Austria in 1932, where her father was serving as a U.S. diplomat. And. Yes. She and her siblings attended Catholic school in Montreal. Mm. And at one point, she was so immersed in Catholicism that she thought about becoming a nun. <laughs> Look, <laughs> this, <laughs> I don't know if this is like a, a thing thing. Mm. I'm not saying I thought I might become a nun when I was a child immersed in Catholicism, mm-hmm. but I definitely did. Mm. And I just think it's like a, I don't get the whole guy thing. I don't know, like. So I'll marry Jesus. Jesus is cool, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know if it's an actual pattern, but I'm going to pretend like it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, her family returned to the United States after the outbreak of World War II, and they lived in Wilmington. Hmm. Delaware. Yes, Wilmington, Delaware. She, Giddings, like, knew about same-sex attraction, but she never heard the world word homosexual until she was rejected for membership in the National Honor Society for in high school for quote homosexual inclinations. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so oh, okay. 
Yeah. So, I mean, this is, like, so she's in high school. So, we're this is, like, the 40s we're talking about. So, like, was she, like, running around, like, kissing girls and then they're, like, you can't, you can't, you can't be in our National Honor Society because of your homosexuality? I get, I don't, they don't, it doesn't say what specifically, I just like, wonder, like, what she was doing. I don't know. I mean. Wearing plaid. I guess. <laughs> Leather jackets. Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But basically, people were like, she's a homosexual, so you can't be in the honor society. She's like, what's a homosexual? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You don't know what a homosexual is? No, I don't well, know why. When... <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Someone's feeling cheeky today. No, I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> Giddings majored in. I'm, how else do you transition? <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh, I snorted. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. So, Giddings majored in drama at Northwestern University and developed a close but non sexual friendship with another female student. I, again, I don't know. I guess, like, she has, like, said this stuff. I don't know how people know these things. But prompted the rumors that they were lesbians. I mean, I feel. I feel like this is, yeah. Do you feel personally attacked? Maybe. Which led to Giddings examining her own sexual orientation. At this point, she didn't identify as a lesbian. (laughs) She's like, why does everybody think I'm a lesbian? Again, I also feel personally attacked. (laughs) Everyone in high school thinks I'm gay. Everyone in college thinks I'm gay. Why is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. In her attempts to understand it, she had her suspicions confirmed by a psychiatrist (coughs) who offered to cure her. Uh. Because, again, we're talking about, like, late 40s, early 50s here. Mm -hmm. She didn't have enough money to make regular visits, and she couldn't get money from her parents. Because they reasoned there were no problems a psychiatrist could solve that a priest could not. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, a psychiatrist back in the day, I mean, I mean, it's probably the same level as a priest. Probably. The the close friends suggested they see less of each other as not further encourage rumors, which kind of sucks. So, like, she kind of felt isolated, and she decided to basically, like, to to research herself. She decided to, you know, re- learn about it and try to read about it. As much as you can, you know, kind of like, like oh, <laughs> let me look on the internet, except books. But there weren't, there was very little of it, mm-hmm. obviously. And it obviously described homosexuals as deviants and perverts and in medical books and all that stuff. And all of the information was on dudes, unsurprisingly. So there really wasn't anything about lesbian in these books you had like odd generalizations like that homosexuals were unable to whistle which is untrue (laughs) 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 book in the 40s (laughs) you have been (laughs) take that so obviously weird stuff in a 2001 interview she said quote i thought this is not about me there's nothing here about love or happiness there has to be something better her, she took so much time researching at Northwestern that she ended up failing out of school. Oh, so she was researching gay so much. Yeah, she was. Re- she re- failed out of school. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. 
she said, quote, my mission was not to get a general education, but to find out about myself and what my life would be like. So I stopped going to classes and started going to the library. There were no organizations to turn to in those days. Only libraries were safe. Although the information I could the information I could find was dismal. At age 17, she returned from Northwestern, quote, in disgrace after falling out, failing out of school and unable to tell her family why. Wait, she was only 17? Yeah, I don't, she didn't, I don't, she didn't last very long. Yeah, but. Yeah, no, it's young. But she continued to research about gay because, you know. Did she take a hands-on approach or? You can't see the look I'm giving <laughs> right now, but if you know me, you know the look I'm giving. It's fine. No, she read some novels that were available at the time. Some novels? novels. Nightwood, The Well of Loneliness. Oh, God. Extraordinary Women. Look, there wasn't that much then. But soon after, her father discovered The Well of Loneliness and a pile of other things in her bedroom. He was not happy about that and wanted her to burn the book because, you know... But he told her in a letter because he was unable to speak to her about it face to face. What a big man. Yeah. What she did was take an abnormal psychology class <laughs> to learn more about homosexuality and uh, met a woman there and had a brief affair. Oh. And by age 18, she left home and moved to Philadelphia. So that's when she came to Philly. This is the time she also began to hitchhike to New York City dressed as a man visiting gay bars since there wasn't she didn't know of know of any in philadelphia and there was no other places to quote get plugged into the gay community in a 1975 interview she said quote i wore drag because i thought that was a way to show i was gay it's changed now but in the early 50s there were basically two types of women in the gay bars the so-called butch ones in short hair and plain masculine attire and the so-called femme ones in dresses and high heels and makeup I knew high heels and makeup weren't my personal style, so I thought, I must be the other kind. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you only know the dichotomy, you're like, I'm not one, so I guess I'm the other one. Yeah. I guess I'm the other kind. She found, but she found very little in common with women she met at the bars, and she witnessed a gay uh, male acquaintance getting beat up after leaving the bar. She focused her energy on back to books. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm okay. In 1956, she, Giddings traveled to California to visit the office of the one organization, which we talked about in the first episode as well, oh. which was an early organization uh, dedicated to providing support um, for gays in the United States. While she was in California, she met Phyllis Lyon and Del Martin, who had co-founded the Daughters of Bilitis mm-hmm. in San Francisco, which we also talked about in our first episode. Lyon remembered Giddings as, quote, she was a cute, curly-haired young woman wearing a shift in sandals. I remember she had this satchel, a backpack. I'd never seen anything like it, or her. What's a shift? Like a dress? Like a shift dress? Nope. I mean, I can, I'll, I can show you one. Oh. It's 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 just a kind of like a, it's not very like shapely. It's just like a long like dress, like a sack, like a sack, potato sack. No, I mean not really. Oh, but for my purposes, yes. Okay, thank you. After Giddings' first meeting with the daughters of Bellatus in someone's living room, Giddings brought up the obscurity of the name, which she thought was 
impractical and difficult to pronounce and spell. She said, quote, even then I was pretty assertive what they are doing with a name like that. It wasn't very nice of me, but they seemed to take it with a reasonably good spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Which I mean, fair. It was very, I mean, I guess it is pretty obscure. I mean, she's right. Yeah. Yeah. In 58, Martin and Lyon asked Giddings to start a chapter in New York City and did when less than a dozen women responded to her notice in the Machine Society newsletter, which we also talked about in the first episode, mm-hmm. asking for, quote, all women in the New York area who are interested in forming a chapter of the DOB. Bob. Yes. She served as the chapter's first president for three years until she met Kay Tobin. In 1982, Giddings remembered, quote, I joined a movement in 1958 when the subject of homosexuality was still shrouded in complete silence. There was no radio talk shows or TV documentaries. In all the United States, there were maybe half a dozen groups, 200 people active in all. The Daughters of Biltis served as a social alternative to bars for lesbians, but they were very adamant about that they weren't, quote, arranging for immoral contacts, like hooking up. It wasn't like a hookup group. Why were they calling it immoral? Because that's how other people refer to it as mm. <laughs> sex outside of marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such a lesbian thing to be like, <laughs> rather than go to bars, let's have an activist group. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how like potlucks and stuff started. Was It was the need for things outside of bars and also you many like women weren't welcome in gay bars so you had to have create a space outside of that because men were still men mm-hmm. giddings admitted that early meetings and writings for the dob urged their members not to upset mainstream heterosexual society <laughs> and that integration and acceptance would be won if heterosexuals could see that gays and lesbians were not dramatically different from themselves which is a very loaded concept unto itself which fuck you we're special i mean yes but in this is where both of those thought processes began began to merge assimilation versus just make making them accept us yes yeah so i mean that's always been a thing it always will be a thing we must please them yes if we're nice to them they'll kick us in the ass more ass more softly but you know that is generally seen as the, quote, easier way of doing things to fight for yeah. equality. I mean, it doesn't yeah. rattle anything that doesn't rattle the status quo, but you still get forward progression. It's mm-hmm. going, even though it's not as much forward progression as you could have had, but still positive. So it's seen as a positive thing, and especially at that time, too. There was like a handful of activist groups and. So it, it makes sense that a lot of these groups in its inceptions were like, hey, please just, please like us. Maybe don't kill us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, pretty much. From 1963 to 66, she edited the DOB's <laughs> magazine, mm-hmm. the latter. They didn't. Although the DOB didn't take a political stand in the 1959 San Francisco mayoral race, they, because they wanted the, the magazine to remain apolitical. Which is, Which, like, amazing. It's like, really? Well, I mean, yeah. It, obviously, in today's light, it seems strange, but 
being like being queer wasn't necessarily being tied with being political Mm. necessarily especially then people still fight against it now so it's not i mean you you have these like little groups of activism coming out but it's not necessarily seen as a a political identity Mm. it was kind of forced upon us i guess well yeah it was always forced upon so you it it didn't people didn't want to push those two things together I mean, people don't like doing it now mm-hmm. so despite being a political a, a, a political magazine Giddings was impressed with how her influence as an editor impacted the magazine quote I discovered the power of the press the power to put in what you want in order to influence readers at a 1963 convention of the newly formed East Coast Homophile Organization, also known as ECHO, which we also talked about in the first episode, there was w- one speaker, Dr. Albert Ellis, said that, quote, the exclusive homosexual was a psychopath. Oh. So that's fun. Oh, my. Articles and essays in the latter sometimes carried these viewpoints since it was difficult to get psychiatrists and doctors to address homosexuality in any form. Getting said, quote, people like Ellis talked about homosexual being homosexuality being a sickness and they talked about a cure. We'd sit there and listen and politely applaud and then go for our social hour afterward. <laughs> After Dr. Ellis spoke and a gay activist, Frank Committee spoke, which kind of, which left a lasting impression on Giddings because his point was it's useless to find a cure because there's no valid evidence that it's an illness. Ah. Go figure. Giddings said, quote, my thinking didn't change until he came along and said plainly and firmly and unequivocally that homosexuality is no kind of sickness or disease or disorder or malfunction. It is fully on par with heterosexuality. Suddenly, I found that I was looking at things that had happened in the past in a very different light, and I was taking a position that was increasingly diverging from DOB positions. Hmm. And at this point, she began implementing changes in the latter that included a lesbian review, which replaced line drawings on the cover and photographs of actual lesbians, often taken by her partner, Kay Lahusen. The latter was distributed in six bookstores in New York and Philadelphia, and one Greenwich Village store displayed the magazine prominently, selling 100 copies a month. The focus of the magazine shifted to tackle more controversial issues to spark debate, printing such articles titled, quote, I hate women, remarking on women who are politically apathetic. Oh my. And, quote, to act or to teach a back-and-forth debate on whether it was more effective to educate public or to take political action, which Mm. I think is an interesting concept because... I would argue both. Yeah, why not both? <laughs> yeah, but I guess if you, again, if you have limited resources and limited people, where are you spending your time and effort mm-hmm. in that? As we talked about in our first episode, Giddings participated in the early LGBT activism movements in the United States. She marked, she marched in the first picket lines at the White House, U.S. State Department, and Independence Hall in Philadelphia to protest the federal government's policy on discrimination of homosexuals, holding a sign that read, quote, sexual preference is irrelevant to federal employment, Mm. which is true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
as we, t- we talked about before, men who agreed to picket had to wear suit and ties, and the women who had participated were asked to wear dresses, heels, and pantyhose, so they looked employable to the federal government. Mm-hmm. He recalled, quote, I remember a man saying to his kids, hold your noses, it's dirty here. <laughs> and there was a woman dragging a string of kids who said very angrily, you should all be married and have children like me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh... you know... <laughs> I don't even. But from 1965 to 69, she and Frank Kaminsky led the annual reminder picketing at Independence Hall in Philadelphia on July 4th until the Stonewall Riots in 1969. The obvious differences in Giddings' political stance and the leadership of DOB became very obvious and came to a culmination in 1966 when she was ousted as the editor of the latter. Mm-hmm. Because... There was, you know, there was different excuses for why she was ousted, but a lot of it was basically because... She was too political. Yeah. So there was, like, a whole bunch of activism. I'm not going to, like, go into every single thing. But another thing that she's known for is in the 1970s, Giddings continued her search for resources in libraries that addressed homosexuality in a positive, supportive way. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, for years, I would haunt libraries and secondhand bookshops trying to find stories to read about my people. And then I became active in other arenas of the gay rights movement, but I always kept an eye on the emerging literature and began to talk about homosexuals who were healthy and happy and wholesome and who had good lives. That rang the bells for me. Libraries. Gay books. (laughs) She formed... She found a home in the gay group that formed in 1970 in the American Library Association the first gay caucus in the professional association and became its coordinator in 1971. She pushed for the ALA for more visibility for gays and lesbians in the profession. And she staffed a kissing booth at the national convention (laughs) of the ALA in Dallas in 1971 underneath the banner, quote, hug a homosexual (laughs) with a women only side and a men only side. (laughs) When no one took advantage of it, she and, Patience and Sarah and Arthur Alma Routsung kissed in front of rolling television cameras. Oh my. Getting said, quote, we needed to get an audience, so we decided let's show gay love live. We were off we were offering free, mind you, free same sex kisses and hugs. Let me tell you, the aisles were mobbed, but no one came into the booth to get a free hug. So we hugged and kissed each other. It was shown twice on the evening news, once again in the morning. It put us on the map. <laughs> You know, she was integral in the National Gay Task Force, which na- which later to be named National Gay and Lesbian Task Force. She, you know, her and her partner fought the AARP to get a couple's discount <laughs> because obviously, like, marriage was not a thing at that time. So there is a lot of different. You know, there was a lot of things that she did. Um, she made an appearance on the Phil Donahue show in 1970 and a P- on PBS David Susskind's show in 1971, along with six other lesbians. They were among the first open lesbians to appear on television in the United States and debated long-held stereotypes about gays. The segment is remembered for getting saying, quote, homosexuals today are taken, taking it for granted that their homosexuality is not at all something dreadful. It's good, it's right, it's natural, it's moral, and this is the way that they are going to be. Mm. A week after the appearance on the show, a middle-aged couple approached Giddings in the supermarket said, you made me realize that you gay people love each other just the way Arnold and I do. Aww. 
1991, she said, quote, every time I had to make a decision to put myself forward or stay back, to use my real name or not, to go on television or decline, to get out on some of the earliest picket lines or remain behind, I usually took the public position because there weren't many of us yet that could afford the risk. Barbara Giddings died in 2007 uh, with breast cancer. She oh. was 74. Okay. But there are obviously many things that have continued on um, in her name. She, in October 2012, the city of Philadelphia named a section of Locust Street Barbara Giddings Way mm-hmm. in her memory. Mm-hmm. We also have a nice historical plaque. Yep about her as well in june 2019 giddings was one of the inaugural 50 american quote pioneers trailblazers and heroes inducted into the national lgbtq wall of honor within the stonewall monument in new york city's stonewall inn in 2001 the free library of philadelphia announced its barbara giddings collection of books dedicated to gay and lesbian issues there are more than 2,000 items in the collection and the second largest gay and lesbian collection of books in the United States outside of the San Francisco Public Library. Huh, I did not know that. I did not know that either. We should go <laughs> the library. Yep, do some gay research. Okay, do some gay research. The Smithsonian was able to get her sign that when she was picketing. So it's just a lot of, you know, she was inducted into the Legacy Walk in 2012 that celebrated LGTB history and people. And there was a lot of things she did with the American Psychiatric Association as well, which I think is like a whole episode unto itself because it goes very um, in-depth. I do recommend looking into that. It is very interesting. I think people forget that librarians are pretty radical and... They kind of have had this history of being radical, and this is kind of a part of that. Mm -hmm. You have the first professional gay group of people in the United States, and it's librarians. Yeah. (laughs) And I do think we forget how important libraries are in, like, as a reflection of who we are as a society, because if all that's there is that gays are bad and evil, then that's what people are going to think Mm -hmm. because that's especially in the 1950s and 60s yep i have a very important question yes do you think barbara giddings was an eagles fan oh you know i i don't know i think for this i'll just say yes (laughs) do you think she would have cheered for them over the giants probably she lived in Wilmington and then Philadelphia. Good. Good. <laughs> Katie asking the important questions. <laughs> well, you know. Well, that's... I hope you learned things today. I did. I learned a lot of things. Oh, good. And if you're listening to this and you're like, what is that episode she's talking about? through half of this episode you should go back and listen to our first episode because it is definitely a good uh preamble to this one yes so i guess that's our show do you think barbara giddings would approve of gritty as a gay icon gay and progressive icon i mean 
this is weird conjecture, but I get yeah, mm-hmm. I would think so. Mm-hmm. Any, I think any positive s- symbolism that is used to progress ideas and activism would be seen as a good thing. Good. <laughs> good. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Any other Philadelphia-based questions? No, not really. Okay. So I think that's our show. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at queersdidthat at gmail.com. You can go on Twitter at queersdidthat. You can go on to our fabulous website, queersdidthat.com. And until next time, make a history and make history gay. Bye. Go birds. <laughs> Doors of Beltis magazine, which is called The Ladder. Wait, wait. <laughs> Want to say daughter again? Da- what I say? <laughs> daughter. D- daughter. Daughter. Da-